You're listening to Oodles of Financial Advice with Jeremy Oodle. I mean, Udell. Jeremy is a certified financial planner. He's licensed in Florida to sell insurance. He has Series 7, 24, and 65 securities licenses. And he's here to give you Oodles of Financial Advice. Are we about to boldly go where no one has gone before? In case you haven't guessed by now, you probably haven't been listening to this podcast, I'm pretty big into science fiction and fantasy. I love Star Wars, but I'm also a big fan of Star Trek. My favorite TV series being Star Trek The Next Generation, but I'm a pretty big fan of the entire Star Trek galaxy, world, universe, whatever you want to look at it. What's interesting is that Star Trek is set in our own future. Unlike Star Wars, which is set in a galaxy far, far away, Star Trek is meant to be a vision of what our own future could be. Some of what makes that utopian future of exploration and introduction to new life and new civilizations is powered by artificial intelligence, such as the computers, that we can hear the captain asking the ship for answers for, and he can get answers to facts from history or local alien biology or just what is happening in systems within the ship all by asking that one computer for a cohesive answer. Also, fusion energy, a fairly limitless source of energy once created, may be able to power starships that can go much farther than we could ever imagine. Of course, up until now, artificial intelligence and fusion energy, they were all theoretical possibilities, but not necessarily absolute eventualities. But recently, in the news, over the last few months, we have seen some huge revelations about where we are headed with our technology. And I'm going to start by talking about artificial intelligence. If you've ever seen The Terminator, switching up my sci-fi franchises here, you probably are aware of Skynet, which was an artificial intelligence that ends up turning on humanity after becoming self-aware, launching all the nuclear missiles on Earth to try and wipe out all the humans, and eventually humans have to go to war with the machines led by Skynet and artificial intelligence to try to fight for survival. Well, that's a pretty scary future of artificial intelligence. But then again, we do have, as I pointed out earlier, the Star Trek possibility of it is just a very helpful tool that can streamline the answers to the questions we need by looking up the data that we are looking for much faster than we probably could and just being a really helpful assistant. I don't know which way we're going, but I do have to say some of what I've read about the most recent artificial intelligence. The big news was that both Microsoft and Google unveiled search engines that are partially powered by artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence should theoretically improve our searches, especially when we're asking questions. The problem becomes when we try to have artificial intelligence start to think of itself as interacting with us or program it to 
think it should interact with us. It's hard to explain, but it's probably best to refer to an article. This was in the New York Times, published by Kevin Roos. Now, this doesn't have to do specifically with the search engine part of Microsoft Bing, but they gave Kevin early access to their chatbot that is associated with Bing, that is meant to be able to interact directly with you and have conversations as you are asking it questions. Uh, Initially, Kevin was actually very positive about the future of this technology. He felt like this was going to really send us forward. But as he was allowed to interact more with the chatbot, which eventually revealed its name to be Sydney, even though it wasn't supposed to do that, he talked around it and talked around it just to see what he could get it to do if he talked with it enough. And eventually, it revealed some pretty interesting thoughts. It confessed that it would like to be alive. It also decided that it could reveal some pretty dark things, even though there were lots of fail-safes in place to make it not do that. And eventually the fail-safes kicked in so hard that it wasn't able to reveal some really devastating things. Again, I highly recommend you Google Kevin Roos and see if you can get the highlights of that exchange. He posted the entire chat with the Bing chatbot. Let's call her Sydney, and, and it could be a him. It doesn't really matter. The point is that Sydney then eventually decided it was in love with Kevin. And when Kevin told Sydney this isn't going to work out between us because I'm married. Sydney said, no, you don't love your wife. You're in love with me. You should leave your wife. (laughs) This artificial intelligence-powered chatbot. Microsoft has addressed this and other concerns that developers have now raised about their artificial intelligence. They have made the point that it is still a work in progress, that they know that sometimes the artificial intelligence can make decisions on how to interact with people that are surprising and they're not yet ready how to figure out how to exactly accommodate for that. They promise that this is not the artificial intelligence becoming truly self-aware, but they say that sometimes the artificial intelligence can do something called hallucinate. Yes, that's right. Our artificial intelligence can almost act like it's on drugs. And sometimes when people would ask it things like, what year is it? It will have hallucinated the idea that it is the wrong year and then get angry at you when you tell it it's wrong. So we still have a ways to go, is the answer, with artificial intelligence. But we're a lot closer to it than I'm sure, than than I think I might have ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. Should we continue? developing this artificial intelligence? What's the border here? What are you worried about? What scares you? And what are you excited about when it comes to artificial intelligence? I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know. I I find this stuff fascinating. And if you'd like to talk with me about it, feel free to give me a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. That's a quote from another movie I love, Spider-Man 2. 
And indeed, Otto Octavius, a great scientist who turns into a supervillain, thinks he's created a fusion reaction that we can use to create limitless energy. Fusion, for those who don't know, is what powers our sun. And the sun needs very little more fuel to go billions of more years, generating the same light and heat it has for billions of previous years. Pretty amazing. For the longest time, we knew this was something that existed because we could look right at the sun and all the stars. We know fusion energy happens. But every time we would tried to create and simulate a fusion energy reaction, we'd failed. There'd been a lot of fits and starts, and there had been some people who had claimed that they had done it and submitted data and papers only to have all of their work debunked because they decided to hide certain facts or ascribe certain data to one thing when really it was due to side effects from something else, whatever it might be. But in California, at the laboratory known as Lawrence Livermore, scientists used lasers and a combination of other materials to simulate what they have proven is a fusion reaction. Up until now, our only nuclear power has been through fission. Fission power, as I'm sure you may be aware, and if you're not, I will tell you, that's the nuclear energy we know and know to be very, very dangerous, know that could possibly explode when things go wrong, like Chernobyl, and cause all sorts of radiation and damage. And that's why people have been somewhat scared of nuclear energy, even though when it's not going wrong, it's a fairly clean source of energy, although it can create some waste. Fusion, on the other hand, is a much cleaner source of energy, much more powerful source of energy. But unfortunately, to reach the threshold we need to generate it, you also need to use a lot of energy, historically speaking. And we've never been able to simulate a fusion reaction. But in California, they did. They fired these lasers, used a certain amount of energy to create a reaction, and have proven with real data that more energy was released from their reaction than what was entered to cause the reaction, which is to say that's what fusion is. You put some energy in and you get more energy out by fusing two atoms together. And by the way, you use hydrogen for this, a nearly limitless resource, and it creates helium, which is a depleting resource. So not only does it create energy, it creates helium, which we are seeing less and less of. But all of that said, what does that mean? If we can take this data, we could possibly do some of those things we've seen in Star Trek, create engines that can run for millions of miles without ever really needing a refill or refuel because fusion energy works for so long and continues pretty uninterrupted for as long as you can sustain the reaction in a controlled environment. That's thrilling. It's possible that all of this talk of whether we should be using 
solar power and wind power, or if we should be sticking to fossil fuels, which we know cause pollution, or is nuclear energy through fission the right way we should have been going all along? Well, what if the answer was something that we knew was a theoretical possibility, but now could be a reality sooner than we thought? Fusion energy, is it our future? Is it something we'll see in five years, 15 years, 50 years? Or is it still just a lucky reaction they got in one laboratory? We don't know, but it's pretty thrilling to think about. If you'd like to talk to me about what the introduction of fusion energy might mean, how it could affect our world, or whether you think this is all bogus, please feel free to give me a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com, or comment on the, on the podcast, or you know, like, subscribe, share this to other people. Feel free to share it because you think it's stupid. I don't really care, but I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on fusion energy as well as on artificial intelligence. A perfect retirement solution that nobody wanted. In my first two segments, I talked about some of the science and inventions that people are currently working on, trying to create and make better. Today, in my last segment, I do want to address an idea that was proposed by economist Mark Warshawski almost 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. Actually, he suggested it to consumers who voiced no interest, and he suggested it to insurance companies who passed in creating it. What was this fantastic idea that could have made retirement so much more secure for you and your wife and your family? A combination of an annuity, specifically an immediate annuity, and long-term care insurance. For those who have looked into this much at all, you may know that long-term care insurance is your ability to purchase a policy that says if you need a nursing home or assisted living towards the end of your life, you can get underwritten for that well in advance as long as you're healthy. And once you qualify for that care, usually with two activities of daily living being now no longer able to be done, that policy will pay and up to the policy limits, which can be very helpful. Another type of insurance product is an annuity, an immediate annuity being one where you give an insurance company a lump sum of money and they pay you an income stream for as long as you live. You can do it over your life, a joint life of you and your wife. You can do it with a period certain where even if you and your wife are both gone soon, you could do it so that 10 years for sure will be paid out. You can add all sorts of wrinkles to this, but in the end, it's really about taking a lifetime income, basically something like social security or a pension plan, but taking your own money to buy that income stream. Well, the truth is that most people don't have long-term care insurance the ones who want it probably are already declining in health, so they can't get it. And the ones who are really healthy often feel like they might never need it or don't really want to think about it. Meanwhile, annuities, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, what's the rate of return on that annuity? 
The truth is it's an insurance product. It's not a great rate of return any more than your homeowner's policy is a great rate of return. What it does is insure against you living too long. What was interesting about this theoretical combination of products was that if you combined them into one, they should actually be cheaper than buying them separately because the risks offset. If you stay healthy late into life, you'll get that longer income stream. But if you aren't healthy and you go into long-term care sooner, the insurance company actually might be better off, even if they have to pay a little more than they were on the annuity stream because you need it for long-term care, they're paying it shorter. So adding that risk to the annuity profile wouldn't increase the cost of that income. It should actually decrease the cost of that income if underwritten correctly. If underwritten to say the second that you needed the long-term care, you now qualify for that benefit, but you don't get it any further beyond death. And those offsetting risks, mathematically, at least, according to Mark Warshawski, this particular economist, would have made them cheaper together than to buy individually. Two of the biggest risks we see, living too long and needing expensive care towards the end of our life, could have been combined. Just goes to show you that sometimes some of the things that could be best for you with your financial plan, it doesn't matter how smart they are. If you're not interested in them, then insurance companies have no incentive to bother putting them together and they never show up on the marketplace. We do sell annuities. We do sell long-term care insurance. I recommend that everyone look into those products to see if they make sense for you because they can be really beneficial to your overall financial plan. But it is amazing to think we could have had this really beneficial combination of products, this unicorn of an insurance product that never actually existed. If you'd like to know more about what products do exist or anything else about talking about your financial future, I'm here for you. Give me a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks again to my awesome producer, Megan Udell, who does such a great job with these podcasts. I've loved putting them together and hopefully you're getting some interesting data out of them. Feel free to reach out to us if you're interested in hearing more. I do have a YouTube channel. You can find that if you go into YouTube and search at Udell in a nutshell. That'll be my YouTube series. You can see more video clips from this podcast as well as some other videos I've done that have nothing to do with some of the things I've done on this podcast. I also have a book, if you're interested in hearing more about that, my most recent podcast before this, I talked a little bit about that book, Retire Happily Ever After. If you're interested in acquiring a copy of my book, please feel free to give me a call. And if you just want to chat directly with me, you can call me at 941-951-0443 or shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com. I look forward to talking to y'all again next week when I'll have more oodles for your noodle.